Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast, the only podcast brave enough to say two World Wars, one World Cup, <laughs> and a resounding 3-1 victory at home. Do-da, do-da. Um, I'm your host, The Trunk, and I'm joined as ever by Mr. Raj Baines. How are you? Uh, well, actually, no, let's let's start on a, uh, after that little intro, let's start on a fairly Brexity vibe. Um, <coughs> get, take the stage, take the stage, my friend. So this morning I was uh, I was searching through iTunes because I was having to collate some stuff for work on the uh, work podcast and stuff. I thought, while I'm here, let me just have a quick look at Roller Roost. I've not done it for a while, see what people are saying, if anybody has said anything. And uh, stumbled across this <laughs> comment on iTunes from a Brexit dad. Uh, that's, that's comp- Have you got it in front of you? Do you want to read it out? You'll do the reading far more justice than I will. But it was just a, a sort of the sort of things we discuss and people who listen to this podcast know what we're about. It was almost like the perfect response for the podcast, you know, in like a negative sense. It's almost as if the the, the perfect justification for every decision we've ever made in one message. <clears throat> the headline... This <laughs> just sets the tone. I love it. Wasted potential. Two stars. It's like, it's like a, every school report I have ever had. Yeah. By Ross underscore V underscore Saint. It's a shame. This could be a good podcast. It loses one star because it's far too early in the pod when they tend to get bored with talking about Spurs and football and start talking about films and TV, most of which I'm not interested in. It loses two more stars because they can't keep politics out of it. I know people who refuse to listen purely because of this. Yes, I voted for Brexit. <laughs> and yes, I'm fed up with being criticised for it. <laughs> and yes, I know you probably don't want the likes of me listening. But the bottom line is that this is a Spurs podcast and you're alienating a large part <laughs> of your target audience spending too long talking about other things. Stick to the club we love so dearly and I'll be back. Now, can I, can I just be the first to say? Yeah. But somebody that says, you know, it's a shame this could be a good podcast. Yeah. 
implies that he's never really actually enjoyed it because <laughs> everything he's criticised the podcast for is what we've done pretty much since day one. Yeah. Um, so I would, I would, you know, I would say there are there's a there's a bountiful amount of Spurs podcasts out there. Maybe we're just not for for you know Ross. There's a couple of Brexit dad ones as well out there that are probably catered specifically for him. Um, but but no, the, no, thing no, that, no. the things that I like um, the most is if you read between the lines of what he said um, and you sort of analyse what he actually means and he's accidentally let, let away from himself as he's said these things. Um, firstly, the, the star system that he's worked out on his own is magnificent he's given it some thought to be fair to him. yeah he's given it some thought and he's not actually being mean it's sort of a considered thing but it is completely fucking stupid um <laughs> is when he says yes i voted for brexit and you can almost hear him sigh as he writes that like he knows he did wrong and he's sort of half admitting that and it's almost as if can you please stop reminding me of the mistake i made um, is what he should have <laughs> written um, because he's, I'm fed up with being criticized. It's almost as if, like, you can imagine he's about 45, his kids are sort of left-leaning. Dad, did you vote for Brexit? Oh, come on, kids, let us off. I thought, you know, sovereignty, <laughs> that sort of a thing. I, I do also like, think the fact he's, he's spoken to some mates about it, like, just, lads, come on, like, we, we get, you know, maybe fair enough in some respects, we get lumps torn out of us for being the sort of sad bastards that do a podcast. I mean, if you're that, if you're that triggered, shall we say, to to borrow a, <laughs> a phrase from their from their ample diction, um, if you're that much of a snowflake, yeah, then you know why you just just there's enough. But I want to give a shout out to uh, Mike Applin as well at Appers, who sent me, well, sent us possibly. One of the best tweets I think we've ever received on off of the back of this, which was <laughs> I genuinely got in an argument with a mate of mine for boycotting your pod for being too PC. He's put too PC in uh, quote marks as well, quotation marks. Um, you lot have a talent for winding up edgelords. Well, cheers, Mike. Um, and I hope your mate has come back. Maybe we've driven him off again with, with this intro. Um, but yeah, that 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 certainly amused me. That was a good find, Raj. Thanks. But it's the, it's the, the line that got me the most is, "I know you don't want me listening to this," and it's like you're alienating. But you you clearly know that all this is going to do is sort of make our day. So it's like, why are you telling us this? It's sort of it's counterproductive from where you stand because it's almost as if if you just stopped listening. Or said something else. If you'd have like been clever enough to go, oh, I don't like the content. They don't know what they're talking about, or something. Or like said that you know, why does the Northern one support Tottenham when he should support Huddersfield, and why does the other one have existential crisis every week and try and push our buttons a little bit rather than essentially patting us on the back <laughs> for being the people that we are? I don't know, but it's it's just you know, I uh, I highly enjoyed it. Maybe he's a stooge. Maybe it's just someone there who's writing that to give us some some extra material. Maybe he thinks we need to spice it up a bit. An ultra fan of the podcast. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like a stooge, you know, who's mm. who's just giving us some some material. Perhaps if they are, then they deserve a pat on the back. They do. Um, 
Anyway, should we talk about TV now? <laughs> Tottenham Hotspur 3, Borussia Dortmund 1. Um, possibly one of the most brilliant performances, I think, under Pochettino's tenure. Do you think that's OTT or would you uh, would you go along with that? No, it's up there. It's up there. I think especially for what it represents, um, it's definitely up there. I mean, there's been as important as and as impressive a result. I mean, the the first big win against Chelsea on New Year's Day, um, I think was a, a real uh, moment because it sort of, it solidified Harry Kane as being the talent we thought he was. It solidified the direction of the club. Uh, and it was against Mourinho as well, which was even better. Uh, the Arsenal wins have all been fantastic. And there have been, you know, a couple of others. The City win away was a, felt like a big moment and, and there've been sections, but this one being at Wembley, being against, you know, a club that was much fancied and the fact that tactically it wasn't exactly the same as what we've done. Otherwise he'd clearly learnt from previous mistakes and applied that to this occasion and come up trumps because of it. Um, not to talk about politics again, um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it it was just um, it was sort of every question and every doubt that there'd been about Pochettino could, in isolation, be applied to that match, and he leaped over those hurdles without even grazing them, which is uh, fantastic to see, and it shows. Growth in us, not only as a team, but growth in him as a coach, which is can only be expected given his short career to date. And um, it's encouraging for the future. Any particular players you want to you want to shout out? I think most of them, one, one to eleven, were fantastic. I, I can't really say anyone was poor. I thought Ben Davies was fantastic again. He was unlucky not to do better with that strike he had. I mean, he's he's really striking the ball far better than he ever has done previously. Like Every single game since towards the end of last season, he's had at least one good chance to score. And that's you know no accident. I think Sergio Ria, it's such a shame that he comes with caveats and we have to sort of, not to be too PC again, but there's, there's so many reasons to be um, sort of... Um, to not celebrate his arrival wholly when he first came. But that, for a first performance, was outstanding. And as a footballer, if you can separate the two, that performance was everything we wanted post-Kyle Walker. It was as good as what Kyle Walker could have done in similar circumstances, if not better. The dummy header in his own box was absolutely fucking mental, and I loved it. I didn't know Um, what the fuck it was at first. I thought he'd, like, (laughs) fallen over or something, and then it's... So only after the fact you were like, Jesus Christ, that was that was pretty impressive. Yeah, it, it reminds me slightly, and this isn't a good comparison to make, given the player, but it reminds me slightly of that time. Do you remember when Ben Wasokoto did keepy ups on the edge of his own box and then headed it back to the keeper? Yeah, <laughs> it's slightly reminiscent of that, but it was just the sort of the way he did it. He looked over at the player and then dropped to all fours and scampered away and then beat his man. It was fantastic. It was sort of got the crowd up and everything. Uh, I think Davinson Sanchez um, <laughs> looks fantastic. He's for his age and for the amount of time he's been at the club, he's fitted in really well. And he seems to compliment uh, Alderweireland and Vertonghen 
brilliantly and they seem to be happy at either side of him as a result and it seems to have given them more of an onus to indulge themselves with ball at feet than they had done previously i think it's great isn't it because at the moment he is raw as fuck and i do think you know he was maybe culpable a couple of times but let's not lose sight of the fact it's a guy that spent one year in europe prior to this as well Um, and is still young for someone playing in the position that he is as well um you know, mistakes are going to kind of stand out a lot more. But and there's nowhere better for him to learn either. No, alongside between, those two, right? Yeah, in between them, having his hand held a little bit, uh, but just enough sort of freedom to play his own game because he's a lot more physical than either one of those two. I mean, the boy looks as if he could run through any substance known to man and do so gracefully because he's so quick. Um, and it's not just pace that gets him out of trouble, but he sort of he reads something and you'll see a ball played and he's there as it arrives. It's not sort of, it's not him being reactive. He is using his own physical attributes to enhance his own proactive qualities, if that doesn't sound too wanky. He's sort of there before (laughs) something happens, which I really like. I mean, as you say, there were a couple of times he made mistakes. He's obviously not the finished article, but as far as first impressions go, he couldn't have been any better. Um. Who else was there? The two in the middle, uh, I thought were fantastic. Eric Dyer seems to have regained the form next to Dembele that was there the first year those two really kicked on together. I think the way we're going to use Musa Dembele going forwards is a conversation for us to have, given how clearly, um, how clearly he struggles with his fitness oh, f- now. Physically, he's fucked, isn't he? Yeah, his body is starting to abandon him, which is quite sad to see. But you, listen, you, I get the vibe. It's Wembley that's showing that he doesn't look. You know, he doesn't look that comfortable on that massive pitch. It's not just that. It's just um, he seems a little bit more tentative in himself because he obviously doesn't want to do anything to aggravate any of the problems he has. And I don't think that's necessarily a, a huge problem. All it means is that we need to be smarter with how we use him in an almost Ledley King-like manner. It doesn't mean that he can't train, but what it means is we can pick the games he can play in. So it's not the end of the world if, you know, this weekend we've got Swansea at home. We just sit him and we need to be good enough to have somebody who can step in and do a job good enough in that position to beat Swansea and then allowed Dembele to come back in fully fresh, fully fit and confident in his own physicality for Real Madrid at home or Apoel away or something like that for the bigger games. And we can cherry pick his matches knowing that he will be ready for them rather than overusing him and, you know, that being to his detriment. And what I'd compare it to is, you know, when really rich people, and well, not really rich people, but quite rich people have two cars and they've got a daily runner and then like a classic sports car. Mm. And they bring they don't bring the classic sports car out in the rain. It doesn't leave the garage in the snow. But if it's a nice day, rain's not coming, they're going for a short drive, then they'll take it out and they'll pick the occasion in which they bring the old Jag out. That's when. Do you do you think he's good enough though to to just pick up pick up a match and be match you know match ready if he's not playing all the time? I mean, a lot a lot of you know King's legacy is built on the fact that it was freakish the way in which he could slot in after a fairly lengthy absence and it be almost like he he hadn't been missing at all. Um, I think it's something that 
is easier for older players to do because they have that um, stereotypical extra yard in their head. Mm. And especially the way that Dembele plays, he's... I know he's been based on pace and power and agility previously, and that's not going to escape him straight away. I don't think he's losing his legs or anything. I think it's more that sort of muscular-wise, he's scared of exerting himself too much because he doesn't want that to to break down, and the more pressure he puts on himself, the the more strain he can feel. So it's it's more about just giving him less games. So it's not it's not as if he's only going to play 10 games a year like Ledley used to. He can still play sort of 20 to 25, which is half a season, if not more, even push it towards 30. But it just means he doesn't play two games in a week. He definitely gets seven days before between a game. Yeah. He, he you know, he's managed in a sense that if by some freak we do get Arsenal and Chelsea back-to-back in the league, he'll play both of them. But in the next two games, if we've then got Burnley and Brighton, he knows that, you know, this week, lad, you go put your feet up, you do a bit of light running and you keep yourself fit, but you're not expected to exert yourself. And I think that, especially at his age, his importance to us and his state of him physically, that's that's a... A transition that, if we manage it correctly, he can remain just as important and just as vital to what we're doing. But we can actually extend his career by doing so. It might actually be an idea. I'm not sure if he wants to do this. It might be something he considers after the summer. But international retirement might be something he uh, he he has a serious think about because probably quite hard uh, to step away from that setup at the moment, though, isn't it? Yeah, but there, there are. Definitely Belgian players there who are probably challenging for him for his spot. Um, so if he has another World Cup and he's played in, what, two World Cups and one Euros, it's not a, a bad international career to have had. And if that gives him two or three extra years at club level, then it's a decision many pros have made. Yeah, you think he, you, yeah, you kind of suspect he may be well do after the next World Cup, wouldn't you? Um yeah, because you're sort of nangle on and, and that sort of generation of player will slowly start taking his position from him um, because there are slightly younger Belgians that are Is that other like Telemans coming through yeah, as well? Yeah, Telemans coming, yeah, yeah. He's at... Um, who'd, he scored Monaco. At, uh, Is he at Monaco yeah, now? Yeah. yeah, yeah, he went to Monaco. He scored in the Champions League, yeah, midweek. Um, we've also got Son who stepped in admirably into, uh, into Ali's Void. Um, yes. He uh, that was a that was a cracking finish, wasn't it? It was. I, I thought he'd taken it too far and been too greedy, and I was sort of I was half thinking to myself, "Has this chance come too early for him?" But the way he finished it was fantastic, and so shame um, didn't get that second. Now he had that lovely little Cruyff turn to set it up. For yeah, himself. yeah, yeah. There was well, there was uh, me and Dad were. It was actually my mum's birthday yesterday, so me and Dad were sat together at the end of the table out for dinner. And I had it on BT Sport on my phone. And we like we had like a bottle of wine in front of us, and I lent the phone against it. So we sat there quietly, so I sneakily watch this game, discussing it between ourselves. And sort of me and Dad looked at each other and said, after Harry missed one and Son missed one, and we sort of went, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna get caught here because you know you miss two or three chances as a Spurs fan to end a game, and you think that's it, they're gonna bite us in the ass. Luckily, it didn't, but. Um, it felt as if it would. The only the, the only thing I do wonder with Son at the moment is he he looked I don't know he looked 
dead on his ass on about 60 minutes. Um, he didn't really have a pre-season, though, did he? I suppose not. But then I was kind of thinking back after this, and I was thinking his, his fitness isn't generally that great anyway. I don't know if he's a if he's generally a full-match player. Um, and perhaps that's why, I don't know, Pochettino's kind of seems to be quite reticent to really kind of embrace him in the in the inner circle. But, you know, let's... I don't think it in, he's in our strongest team at the moment. And I think that just speaks volumes of how much we've improved our strength in depth. Yeah. I actually, well, obviously, we've purposefully not mentioned Harry Kane yet because we can spend uh, half this, an hour uh, talking about this, that performance yeah. afterwards. But if I just talk about this formation first, the thing that I touched on earlier slightly was that what this represented for Pochettino as a coach. And he's found a, a system with which he can do the two things he wants to the most, which is be defensively sound and be really sharp in attack. And he can do it in two different manners. He can play in the same Pochettino manner that had been there previously and do the high press against teams that can't cope with it. Or he can do what he did against Dortmund yesterday and compact themselves within that system and then almost a concertina effect as soon as the the ball switches and there's there to be transitioned they spread back out into the the way they were and that's how the goals came was just Tottenham being so ready to pounce on anything they got half a sniff those two first goals the ball from Kane through to Son and his run through where I compared it to running the gauntlet on gladiators, the way you run through those defenders. Yeah. Um, it was just, that was all about wanting to get the Dortmund on the back foot when they were least expecting it. And I think that's that's come directly from the manager and that's clearly something that he has explained to them would be a route to success. Uh, and that's really pleasing to see because we've had it previously. And one of the things that I've um, had questions over Pochettino in the past, rather than him lacking a plan B, it's him lacking the pragmatism to uh, take a step back and allow teams onto him and then do things afterwards well, and I, be a bit more reactive. I loved it. Like In terms of like if we're looking at performances from this season... We Chelsea'd them. They we did exactly to them what Chelsea did to us at Wembley earlier on yes. in the season, and it was just uh, just brilliant. We, it wasn't you know we didn't this idea of us sitting back and hitting them on the break. It wasn't like fucking Pulis esque. No, the, the it was thing so that I controlled. Always... I mean, there were a few yeah. there were a few hairy moments here and there, but. Yeah, Dortmund, Dortmund aren't a two-bob outfit, you know. I know they no, had their injuries. this is the Champions League. Exactly, this is, and, you know, they had their, they've had had their injuries, and I know a lot of people are talking about that, but this is one of Europe's elite clubs. They have a massive squad. That that squad that was out there, the team that was out there last night, was still oozing with quality, you know. Um, yeah. So, I, I, you know, we, we ha we've had our own kind of vital players missing if you really want to reduce it to that as well we didn't have Ali we didn't have Wanyama we didn't have Danny Rose I mean I know there's the debate now over Davis and Rose but still you know Rose has been a vital component of the team up until this point didn't even yeah. have Eric Lamella as somebody who you know again I know it's a divisive figure but whichever way you want to look at it he has been a uh, a part of the team and is obviously somebody that Pochettino very much does fancy whether you don't. Um, 
not you, but anyone that's listening. Um, so you it's know, all right, mate. You, you can't address anyone. We've already scared off the Brexit, Dad. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. So it's not like we we were at full strength either. You know, no. Um, I just, uh, I, I think know. that's I important, and at sort of this level as well to point out that as well is important because we have come from a position where if it wasn't the first choice available, then we were fucked. And that's no longer the case. There is room for adjustment there in a way that they hadn't been previously. And that's really pleasing um, to see. And, you know, the, the way this new system gets the best out of players as well. I mean, if Ali was in there instead of Son and the way Christian Eriksen gets to play between the lines and sort of the weird diamond he has with five at the back and everything, it's, it's such a clever way to to get the best out of everyone available. And it's taken him a bit of time to slowly edge his way towards working that out and them to learn how to play within that system. But it's it's such an intelligent shape and such a, a well-coached shape that those players within it are aware of their jobs and aware of how to adjust and how to change when needed. And it's such an ad- adaptable position to be in. <laughs> Sorry, Kelowna beating Arsenal. Well, the, the, I'm not surprised. It's a home game for a minute. It? No, it's at the Emirates. No, I mean it is a home game, aren't they? All the home f- seats filled with Cologne fans. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, sorry to interrupt there. I can help it. No, that's fine. Have you got it on in the background? No, I'm just just opened up um, Twitter. Just sort of loading up some of the questions, and then that uh, that that joy is sparked up. Um, can we can we talk about Harry Kane now, mate? Of course we can. We save the best to last. Just right. You know, one of the thoughts I've been having about this is that uh, you know this this lad is it, it's just it's like we are. I know we've spoken about this before, but it is like some sort of simulated reality. I think even somebody that that loves Harry Kane and should no longer be surprised by him, still cannot come to terms with these benchmarks that keep being set and how he keeps rising to that. You know, he he, he, he was talking before the game about how he wants to, you know, without doubt be considered now a world-class player. And in order to do that, he feels he needs to turn it on in the Champions League. And it's just, he's just so functional in the respect that he's like, okay, I need to perform in the Champions League now. So just go, goes out and does it, you know, like the, just the, the determination and the, the will to succeed that just oozes from the guy is just absolutely inspirational. Cause I, I, I don't want to take anything away from him. He is obviously a very talented player. And I think people can get a little bit, um, I can't think of the best way to put this, but I think sometimes people run away with the rhetoric a bit that, oh, he's not really a natural footballer. You know, he's 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 a bit of a donkey come good. It's like, well, I think to, to, to be doing what he's doing, naturally he does have to have a certain amount of ability. So, you know, but I, I, I get the point to the, 
to a certain degree that, you know, perhaps physically he's not, you know, he doesn't look the most comfortably athletic and perhaps his skill set doesn't immediately jump out as, say, somebody like Neymar's does <coughs> or Cristiano Ronaldo's, but he still seems to be functioning, um, at least on a on a domestic level, in a in a similar vein similar tangent to to some of these elite level players um and yeah i know it doesn't help as well the fact he kind of you know he sounds a bit funny and he you know is quite i guess like humble and i I don't know he just he doesn't he doesn't wear that superstar kind of thing i guess that shtick um very comfortably but the the guy's just an absolute inspiration and it, it it was almost like you know that that first goal he scored when he's he's just wrestling through the Dortmund players just like get out of my way it was like you can just see it there on the pitch he's like you are in the way of me and my destiny and what I I know this is very cheesy but that's it's kind of the way I see it with him he just he sees these hurdles be they physical or be they mental whatever they are and he's just like get out of my way. Like, you're not going to stop me. The ref might stop me, but you're not. And he did it against Southampton last year as well, a similar type of goal. But just people, just players just don't seem ready for that. And I, I don't, I don't know what it is. Like, I, I don't, I don't know what it is and how he manages to keep doing what he's doing, but he's just long may it continue because the guy is, I, I, I don't know, mate. Like, I'm just, I'm lost for words. I, I honestly am. And I, I feel so privileged. I've got to say, I feel so privileged to be able to see this happen, to see a player that uh, me and let's be honest, 95% of us ripped the fucking shit out of when he first came. There were memes about it. There was the chill. I got this type stuff about him stepping in. And he is, Pretty much, like, first of all, he started with the Spurs fans and he's shut any sort of dissenting voices up there. And now you're just seeing it. You are you are finally starting to see it. I think Spurs fans need to give up the grudge a little bit about the, well, nobody rates him. It's like, I, I don't buy that anymore. I see a hell of a lot of opposition fans. A lot of my mates who even support Chelsea, Arsenal, a lot of people now are like, Harry Kane's class, like he absolutely is. It's undeniable. Um, I don't know, mate. Do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to take jump in at any point? Start. I was I was letting you go because I didn't want to stop. No, you because no, it was, no I, um, I'm sort of getting caught in a bit of a loop. I just I don't know. I just I absolutely I love the lad. No, he's he makes himself such an easy player to gush about because if we compare him in a sideways way to how we talked about. Surgeria. We, I'd love to be able to fully dive in and say everything was beautiful about his performance because it was. But there are things about him that make you second guess yourself doing that, and there's none of that with Harry Kane. Um, and he's almost the, the complete package in that sense. Looking at it in a, a fan's perspective, he. You know, we've we've laughed at Brendan Rodgers in the past for showing himself up for being a, a questionable human being, leaving his own wife for sort of a younger, uh, obviously attractive model, sort of, and abandoning his family because of the the questions that raises over his um, priorities as a 
as a man and as a you know a person and the fact that Harry Kane's still with you know his high school sweetheart he's more than happy sending pictures with you know her going to the local Indian and taking pictures of his dogs and his kid and he seems like such a a down-to-earth, humble man at the best of times, that when he backs himself on the field and is a superstar, those two things don't have any correlation between them. And it does feel like, a, as you say, a, a sort of a Beano, Royal the Rovers type transformation. As soon as he, he's in that kit and he crosses the whitewash, he, he evolves from being just any old lad who can't speak properly and looks a bit daft and isn't sort of lad that anyone's going to have a poster up on the wall. He's not Ronaldo, he's not Bale or anyone. He's sort of just Harry from North London. And all of a sudden he he puts in that sort of a performance against one of the best teams in Europe and looks like one of the best strikers in the world on merit. And the thing that that I point to, and it's something that we've probably discussed in private before because it's something that's important to me is... I'm quite um, obsessed with the notion of having a chip on your shoulder. Uh, it's something that I recognise in myself. It's something that I know. Um, I I notice and recognise in myself and sort of project on myself as a means of motivation. And it's something that I think all top sports men and women and champions have as well because they constantly refer back to whenever they've been slighted, they constantly talk about things and detractors and, and people not expecting them to be as good as they are. And I think they need a certain level of spite to perform to the highest standard because I don't think that level of performance ever really comes from a good place. And the thing I compare it to is is slightly strange, but forgive me is you know monsters inc yeah the the scream is what the energy was and it's a negative thing but it gives them energy i, I think that sort of the negative energy that spite and proving people wrong gives is something that's far more powerful than we give it credit for the fact that you know people will say all oh, these penalty merchant or one season wonder or you know he's not the cleverest or he's not world class he's not going to be able to cut it at this level or all the things i don't think for a second that he ignores any of that i think he's on twitter and he's read every single one of those and he sat there knowing and that's why he wants to win the golden boot look at his attitude towards the end of last season when he thought Romelu Lukaku was going to get that golden boot instead of him, he scored, what, seven goals in two games to make sure it wasn't... Yeah, it was like, you're not fucking having it, mate. You're not having it. It's mine. That sort of mentality is fantastic, and it reminds me of so many other champion players. And and one area in which this comes out in most is is basketball, because the access that basketball uh, media have to the players is far better than football, and they tend to be a little less media-trained and a little more open with what they say. Um, so you get a better um, idea of the psyche. And, you know, there's stories about Michael Jordan, for example, possibly hypocritical, where Michael Jordan used to tell the press that one of his motivations was knowing his high school coach didn't select him. And, you know, after like his sixth title or something, somebody tracked down his high school coach and asked him, oh, what was the thinking behind not playing Michael? 
And he goes, you know what? I've heard this, and it's absolutely dog shit. You know, the high school team was built around Jordan, and they went around, they went back to ask him, and and he went, yeah, yeah, I made that up just because I wanted to give myself something to play for. And it was clearly, you know, once he'd reached that area, he needed something else to to feel slighter to push himself and you know the one player that Harry Kane mentally reminds me of the most um although ego wise it's very different is Kobe Bryant because Kobe now in retirement does this thing it's really strange you should YouTube it if you haven't seen it already called the muse cage where he tries to explain to kids about dark energy and it's essentially <laughs> it's essentially what i'm talking about and and he he's a very strange very singular very focused man but he got to the height of his profession through feeling slighted feeling belittled and one of the things he does is um he wasn't drafted first and he remembers everyone who's drafted ahead of him and you know it, it's all those things like all the times he feels he was ever slighted are the reasons and motivations as to why he was at the peak of his performance because he always wanted to be the best. He always wanted to prove people wrong. And even when people were lavishing praise on him, he would find a reason to embrace some area of negativity and that would spur him on. And I think that to an element that's part of what Harry Kane does. He hides it very well with his persona off the field and he's very humble off it. But I do not think Harry Kane is a humble man once he crosses that whitewash. A humble man doesn't pull over two defenders and pop it in the corner the way he does. He's not a nice person on the field and I'd like that about him. Well, he's he's, he's got that thing that you, you see a lot of... Uh... You see a lot of UFC fighters. Um, I, I don't really watch UFC, but I watched a couple of documentaries about it. And I've seen this common theme um, amongst them where you, you obviously get a few uh, sort of wrong and they need to channel it somewhere. But Well, I think most of them are. But a lot of them have this kind of mantra where they're like, they know they have this, this beast, if you like, in them. Um, and they've found a, an outlet for it in the UFC. Um and th- their whole kind of thing is, you know, I'm, I, I, I don't take this outside of the ring, but if you're stepping in that ring with me, I will do everything I can to kill you. The referee has to stop me. Like, that's 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 what's in my mind. It's me against you, and only one of us is leaving here. Um, yeah. And it, it, it kind of echoes, I'm not saying, Kane's going to start, like, you know, bashing bashing people about around the head. No, but in the context, it, it, it makes sense if you sort of just port it across. Yeah, you know that it's, I'm here to beat you. I want I want to win, you know, and you, you can see it. Like, look at the, the the audacity to try and hit, well, not to try, to, to, to curl one in from the angle that he did against Arsenal in the North London derby, you know? Mm. And just, oh, God, that ripping his mask off and all that. But, um... Do you uh, do you worry at all? Um, I mean, if you if we start to see Kane turn it on on the stage, such as this, I mean, he's 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 scoring pretty consistently for England now. It'll be interesting to see what he does in the World Cup. But I don't, you know, I don't really buy so much into the international football thing. However, if he continues in this kind of rich vein of form in the Champions League, in particular. Um, and he carries on doing what he's doing in the Premier League as well. Let's let's be honest; uh, that doesn't mean nothing. I know 
we all know he has a lot of he has a lot of affection for Tottenham. He clearly does love the club. It's not bollocks. It's not hyperbole that he spins. But at the same time, he clearly is an ambitious young man. He clearly is somebody that very much wants to succeed. Um, and as we've said, he clearly is somebody that wants to prove a lot of people wrong. Um, overtures from a Real Madrid or a Barcelona would probably be quite hard for him to turn down. I mean, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold that against him at all. And in my opinion, in my opinion at least, it's only those two, maybe a PSG or a Bayern as well, maybe. But predominantly, it's a Barcelona or Real Madrid coming in and saying, "You are leading the line. You know, you're replacing Benzema or you're replacing Suarez in a couple of years' time." Does he do you, in your in your gut? Does he go? Because he does for me. I, I hate to say it, but uh, I wouldn't begrudge him. But I I I think he absolutely goes in 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 that kind of framing. I don't know. I think I honestly think that given how settled he seems to be at the club and given the leadership he seems to thrive with at the club him at the club longer than it will be for anyone else. I mean, I don't think Gareth Bale was as mentally strong as Harry Kane is. I don't think Luka Modric was as mentally strong as Harry Kane is. I think they were far happier being parts of a whole, whereas Harry Kane wants to be the leader of a whole. He wants to be the figurehead. He wants to prove himself to be, you know, sort of... You know, he's he's a sort of player in the back of his mind. He wants to score more goals than Aaron Shearer. He wants to be remembered as that type of player. He probably wants the accolades that go along with being a one-club man and a, a long-term England captain and having statues outside of He wants stadium. a statue, doesn't he? You, you, yeah. you kind of get that vibe. He want, And I think he will recognise that his best chance for that is to take Tottenham from being a good club to being a great club and knowing that there are more accolades to be had doing that than to just be another cog in the machine elsewhere. And I think as long as Tottenham keep keep him aware of that and you know keep feeding his ego in that sense, pay him the money he needs, um, make sure he's happy at the club, as long as he feels as if he's in with a shout of, winning major honours and that's the Premier League and being in the Champions League every season as long as Tottenham can offer him that more than they can if that's the case 99% of the time and there isn't a downward spiral then I think he's there the the only occasion I can see him leaving is if there is a, a sustained period of regression and if that's the case then he will probably take the decision that his career and the club's trajectory are moving in two separate directions. And that's when, you know, I don't think the club should stand in his way if that day is to ever come. But at, at the moment, while both are mutually, you know, upward in their in their trajectory and sort of, you know, have the same kind of ambitions, I, I don't see anywhere better for him. But you've changed my mind a little bit. Maybe you wouldn't go. I don't know. I think it'd be tough for him. I think Dali Ali goes. I think Dali Ali oh, goes yeah, regardless. I've said that, said that before. Um, he, but he, I... he wants that. Like, But like you say, though, it's almost... Because it is an interesting thing you touch on there. Like, that despite the fact that Bale and Modric are both 
phenomenal players. There is that almost, I don't know, that clamouring, that clamouring to go to Madrid or to Barcelona. I get it. I do, I do get it. Like, you know, there is almost that thing that even, even if you win the Champions League with Bayern um, or Manchester United, who are probably the two clubs who are just a bit below Barcelona or Real Madrid, um, in, just in terms of prestige, I know United have fallen by the wayside a little bit the past few years, but they're still one of the biggest sporting kind of institutions on the face of the planet. Um, I think they're actually technically the biggest, but um, even if you kind of win the Champions League with those two, there is it still is Barca or Real, isn't it? Really, they are the they are kind of the pinnacle of of football. Um, so there is always going to be that that glimmer there, but but like you say, it it just seems as though like Kane is like he knows he can he knows he can he can he can achieve what he wants to at the moment at least with Spurs um, because I, I guess he would look at it and be like, well, look how shite they were, and now look where they are, and you know this kind of coincides with my own form. I'm in part kind of dragging dragging this club along as well um as well as somebody like Pochettino and it's Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping and that extends to their outdoor collection their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware weather-ready teak and quick-dry foam cushions for Memorial Day get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. It's not to say it's just those two. We're not just a one-man team. There's a lot of other very talented individuals around the team. But, you know, if you are to, to place a sort of arrowhead on what we are doing, it's Harry Kane. You know, and he he's yeah. he's he's at the front of this. He's at the front and center, literally and figuratively. Um, is this- if you look at what what being at one club for one time in this era gives you as well, there's a certain level of resonance when your abilities at a certain level that just isn't there if you were just another player at just another team. As good as he is, I don't think Francesco Totti is an icon in the same manner if he ever leaves Roma. He probably wins more in his career. Oh, big time. But he, he's not as idolised as he is and he's not as venerated widely um, because of what it means to football fans and what football fans appreciate. Even Gerard, I know we, we test exactly. out of him in, in, in England, but you know, I think internationally he's, he's kind of held in pretty high esteem by lots of other fans. Of course he is. I mean, Liverpool still have this weird um, reputation on the continent that they don't have here anymore um, for what they've achieved previously. And as an institution, they 
they're respected because of what they've achieved in a historical context and the fact that Gerard never left, even though you know there's rumours over him wanting to and being forced not to. <laughs> um, the you know the fact remains that he, for the majority of his career, he was a one club man until he went to America, which is not really a move, but sort of a, a cash grab for one season and then you know out. So. Doesn't even really count. And I'm not I'm not even firing shots at the MLS or anything, guys. Sorry, but it, you know it, it it's just it's different. It's it's removed, really, isn't it? Yeah, there's a bit of that with John Terry as well, but he's gone to Villa, so it's slightly stranger and, you know, he's not as uh, well-respected for obvious reasons. He can stick it up his ass. Um But, you know, this is what I'm saying. I, I, I do think Harry Kane is probably going to be here for the long term. That's my hope, at least. As long as the, the club can make him feel as if he's not wasting his time here, he will stay. Uh, we've had a question, because we can sort of segue into questions quite nicely here um james lewis at j lewis 2891 asks do you think it's fair to say that harry kane is now above bale and modric in terms of their spurs careers i, I would i would probably say yeah what in terms of what they mean to spurs or what they've achieved as tottenham players i i, I would say the latter i would say kind of where they were the level they were at when they were tottenham players um, do you think Harry Kane has surpassed that now? I think he's in the conversation, and I don't think that's a a poor thing to be because he's a what treble Champions League winners now. Is it treble or double? Treble. I think it might be treble. Yeah, yeah, yeah treble Champions League winners. So, um, it, it, no, it's double. Is it double? I think it's trouble. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. It's yeah, not, it doesn't really matter. They've, yeah, they've, they've won the Champions League a few times. Um, but, you know, there's, there's certain things that, you know, I don't think Harry Kane has owned the narrative of a, of a full Premier League season in the way that Gareth Bale did. Um, that was, you know, weird storm in a teacup stuff. And that's really hard to replicate because that was especially the manner of goals he was scoring and things were just of a such a freakish FIFA level that it was far beyond what he was doing. I think his achievements, if you were to actually look at them in footballing achievements, were probably um, comparable, if not even better, because he's posting more goals. He probably means more to the team than Bale did. He's in a more successful Tottenham team than Gareth Bale ever was. Um, and I, I think there's a lot to be said for that. But I think as an individual... Um, Bale probably held more weight um, worldwide than than Kane currently does, and Luka Modric is a a player that you know I think is still underappreciated. I think he's still there's still people who I'm, don't fully understand do think, just how good a footballer. I'm not is. so he's sure anymore. I think past couple of years now people are he's considered. But that's about five years too late. Oh yeah, I mean, of course. On, but he's only just been given the number ten shirt at Real Madrid, which I think is fantastic because that shows the biggest club in the world have finally appreciated who their most important player is. But let, but let's um, be honest, like you know, a player like that is an understated genius. Is always going to be. He's always going to be underappreciated. He is. I mean, in a, in a fair and right world, Gareth Bale and Luka Modric's fees are the other way around. Um, but I, I still, to me anyway, Luka Modric is, in terms of talent and just ability, he's the best player I've ever seen in a Tottenham shirt. I, I, I don't agree with that, you know. I don't. I, I find that quite revisionist. I do. 
I, Modric I, I, I was saying it at the time. No, I, I know. I know Modric was great, and he's gone on to be immense. But I, I just, I don't buy that he was. He was better for Spurs than Bale was. I don't. I really don't. Like I've never he's, agreed. He's a better with that. footballer. I've never agreed with that. I don't. I don't think his impact on the team was as big as Bale's was. I don't. And I, do. I think he's gone on to be a lot better. He's gone on to be pretty much one of the best players of all time, really, Luke Modric. He's immense. And he was immense for Spurs. However, like, I don't know. I, I just find there's a bit of a prevailing narrative. I'm not saying you're doing it, but I'm saying that a few people do kind of have this thing at, like, I don't know, they get a bit sniffy about Gareth Bale and just how good he was for Spurs as well. And I, I, I don't know. I, d- I don't think Modric... I, th- I think something has been lost a little bit in just how much Modric has improved at Madrid versus where he was at, at Spurs as well. Um, yeah. But he made this tick, and I get that. They're very different types of players. It is very hard to compare them. You know, if, if we if we put this in a in sort of a TV film sort of a context, it's the same way that we both think something like The Sopranos or The Wire is a better TV series than Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad is. But because more people have seen and there's been a bigger narrative surrounding Game of Thrones and Breaking Bad, more people are likely to think they're better. You know, there's, it's, al- it's almost as if popular culture has projected them to a level through sheer numbers and popularity to an artificial place, whereas the things that were slightly left of centre and not as popular, uh, their quality has been sort of ignored a little bit and, and looked over just because they they haven't quite had the water cooler level of analysis that other shows have had it's almost as if like saying you know if we, if we go back to sort of star wars most people go oh, star wars is one of the best films ever and they won't ever say you know i don't know annie hall it's just you know it's it's different things there's you're right they're, they're two completely separate things to try and compare but it's almost as if one of those things are easier to appreciate than the other so more people will appreciate it because it's the entry point and the appreciation of that is easier. I suppose so, but I still think that that, like, that does Bale know, a disservice, mate, because I, I don't think he was just appreciated because of a gimmick or because of... I, no, I don't think he was, but I think him popping in a 30-yarder uh, you know, every week is easier for people to sit at home and go, that's fucking brilliant. That's, but it is, though, isn't Modric it? Running but, the game. But, but that's the thing, though. It is fucking brilliant. Like, not how how many players do what Bale did for Spurs? I think that's that's the point. Not that's many do I it for Spurs, but you. across the world, I think there are more players who are able to run really quickly create goals and score impressive goals and put up high numbers of goals not not with the consistency and with the potency that Bale did in that year at Spurs if you look at come on man you you you, like if you look at the Premier League there's not been a player as good as Luka Modric in his position since he's left the Premier League the only one that's come anywhere near to being as close is David Silva but but how many great players ever did what Bale did in the Premier League I think Eden Hazard is of a similar level oh come on not at all he's not he doesn't he doesn't replicate that with the same consistency that Bale did and Eden Hazard is in a much better team in a much better team as well but 
here's the thing: you're talking about consistency. Bale had one really good season and no, then left. I, I, he didn't have mate. Come on, he was great for us for at least at he least was, two and a half seasons. He wasn't superstar Gareth Bale. You know, we we remember that summer. Do you not remember? He he got his hair cut. He had his ears pinned back. He changed his number. He had his Twitter account. But he was he was absolutely banging it in for, for seasons. Ever since it was the Champions League, that's when he that's when he came of age, really. That he did, but he Champions wasn't League. he he didn't he didn't have the same swagger about himself as he did in that last season. That last season was almost his big Billy Bog Billy Big Bollocks moment. And as soon as he'd had it, he left on the back of it. Um you know, I don't want to detract from him. I think they're both fantastic players, but if I was given the choice between the two uh, you know, Luka Modric all day long. I actually think, and hand on heart, I genuinely do think this is that Gareth Bale comes back to Tottenham as part of the Delhi Ali transfer. I, I, yeah, no, I, I don't think Bale's ever coming back to Spurs. I don't think it'll happen. No, I think it's going to go to United, mate. Mm. I think it's going to end up know. happening. That's that's my uh, that's my hunch is that he's he's uh, uh, our marquee signing to mark the new stadium. I actually, you know, I I would be less surprised to see Luka Modric come back to Spurs because of what we're saying, because he is just so much more understated. Um, but I don't, I I don't think it. either will. I don't think either will. Um, but I'm just saying, I I, I feel that it would be uh, it would be less. I mean, of a surprise. it's an interesting debate to have. I mean, it almost echoes. It makes me laugh because you know, it, it, this is the same argument essentially we had about Star Wars last week. I, no, I don't. You know, it's not. It's not. That. It is. It's not that. It's not it that is. at all. Because you're basically saying that Gareth Bale is like a dimwit's pastime, but he's not. He was a brilliant <laughs> player. He was an absolutely fantastic player. He was. He was. But I think it's easier to appreciate that. No, no, I disagree, mate. Right, all right, it might be yeah, easier to appreciate the fact he's scoring thirty yarders, but that doesn't take away from the fact that scoring thirty yarders is absolutely fantastic. And scoring the type of goals he did with such consistency was fantastic. It was, but I'd still rather have Luka Modric. Yeah, fair enough. Right, um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's go on to... Let's have a look. All right. Um, JDK at J-J-A-E-R-U-S. J-R-U-S. Um, he says... It's a catchy, uh, catchy at. Yeah. He says, even though we win, why do you think all the media outlets still, A, give us no credit, B, sell our team, B, uh, yeah, sell our team, C, generally hate Spurs? I don't think people generally hate Spurs. I don't, I don't know if I agree with that anymore. But um, in, it, it, sort of compiling that all into one point, I think the the big one was Phil Neville's point, wasn't it, after? Oh, Phil Neville's a fucking idiot, so the way you're listening to what he's saying. This is it, though, isn't it? He said that Harry Kane will never be world-class until he leaves Spurs. But where to begin with that type of thing is uh, is pretty ridiculous. But it, it does seem that almost immediately... Um, People were eager to kind of sell a lot of our players. There was all the talk today about Deli Ali's new agents and what type of move he's going to get off of the back of this. And there is this kind of talk about Harry Kane. You know, is he too good for Spurs? Is he going to win the Ballon d'Or at Spurs? He says he wants to win the Ballon d'Or. Um, Toby Alderweireld, are Spurs going to hold him down to a contract? You know, is this just part and parcel? I mean. You know, Monaco have been decimated. Dortmund have been picked apart so many times. So it's just what happens now. We're at this this kind of 
the top table that when our players start performing at this level it means that we are fair game for the for the elite clubs more so we're in a shop window I don't know it's just I think there's a because of these players when they played they viewed Tottenham as one thing I think they still see Tottenham as as a level of club that we aren't anymore I don't think we were given the credit of how far the club has progressed in terms of what it means to players um I think there's an attraction to Tottenham for current players that there isn't for ex-pros because of of what Tottenham were when they played. So I think there's some of that 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 carries over in the same Mm. way that, you know, if you look at the generation above this level of pundit, they still seem to think that every season Liverpool are going to win the league and, you know, every big player should go to Liverpool because it's such a great institution when that hasn't been the case for nearly 30 years. And the reason they think that is because they grew up with Liverpool being that and they're not anymore. Um, I actually think... You know, Jermaine Jenis gets a, an untold amount of stick for being sort of a Spurs ringer, and this is probably our bias shining through. But he's the he's one of few pundits that seems to give Tottenham credit for being the club they are now because he's actually been inside it and seen the changes than others do. And it's you know it's Gary Neville actually in a in a footballing sense gives Tottenham a lot of credit and he says that he this does doesn't he he says that this isn't the same Tottenham team that it used to be and I appreciate that because he, he's clearly not just saying it for effect it's clearly something he's noticed over a certain amount of time and he'll have been in that dressing room when Fergie walked in and said lads it's Tottenham and he knows that lads it's Tottenham doesn't mean the same thing anymore so it's just it, it's it's a silly argument by a daft man and you know if we're gonna fall for them every time then we may as well get the brexit dads back on <laughs> um let's have a look we've had we've had quite a few questions tonight um you sound like a proper late night dj then we've had a lot of questions yeah tonight. we've had a few coming through on the old www dots uh, we... Welcome to Late Night Loving with Jack and Raj. We're going to play Torn by Natalie and Brulia for Stephen London. This one goes out to... I quite like how uh, how heated our little Bale Modric thing got there. It's quite nice to have a bit of needle. Because well, you're fucking wrong, isn't it? Fuck, no, it's because you're wrong. Though. <laughs> it's because you're so pompous. It just makes your sex better afterwards. <laughs> uh, at Herbs asks, <laughs> why is... At Herbs 16 asks why is Mario Goetze a fat nonce he's actually got like a thing doesn't he <laughs> he's got like a uh a weight disorder of, yeah he does he's got some like actually quite bad sort of degenerative disease I think or something so that's that's yeah. your answer Herbs um so you should feel yeah I hope you feel bad you feel guilty even though I, I only found this out because I tweeted that uh I said Gertz has clearly been going around Kevin Wim- <laughs> Kevin Wimmers for porky pastries. Um, and then somebody said, he's actually got a disease, you know. Um, so I got shamed on Twitter. She'll be at us. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, uh, that's, that's, um, James Nicholson, at Nicholson 15 asks... Predictions for our Champions League journey this season. I said it at the start of the season. I'm going to stick with it. Quarterfinals. That's what I'm going with. I think we'll get out of the I'll group. I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take quarters. I think we're going to no get out of the group. Yeah, we'll get out of the group. I, have I told you about my dream? And this is this is a genuine, legit dream. 
I had. Hurricane scores a header against Real Madrid and we win. Yep, in the Bernabeu. Yeah. 1-0. An absolutely resolute defensive performance. Hurricane gets a header from a corner and then it smacks against the crossbar and goes down and then and that's it. It, it was So I'll tell you vivid. what's going to happen now that we, we've had that argument is that Gareth Bale's going to slap in one from 40 <laughs> yards to shut me up. Because it always happens to me. Like Every time I slag someone off, I, even though I didn't slag Gareth Bale off, it happened with fucking Wes Morgan and I think it happened with Chris Wood as well the other day. I said, you know, why is he John Burnley to just have balls slapped to him 50 yards away? Little prick scores. Five oh, fucking hell, yeah, I forgot about that, you twat. <laughs> yeah, so I, I do have a habit of talking too soon. Bale scored against us in that friendly we we played as well, didn't he? Yeah. See, there so, was a bit of a bit of a meltdown in the week because he said, "Well, yeah, I probably would celebrate if I scored." Who gives a fuck? Who yeah. cares? Why do you care? Like, how how inhuman would it be if he if if you know these guys like they pour everything, they get up first thing in the fucking morning and go out fucking exercising. <laughs> All they do is exercise and they fucking try. They're sort of mind. That it takes to be that focused and that driven to succeed in a, in a physical in any sort of industry, but especially one that requires like elite peak physical fitness. The amount of sacrifices they have to make, like and you begrudge him, you begrudge somebody scoring a goal, like a, achieving something that they've worked so fucking hard for. Fucking get over it. Get well, over it. I mean, it's not as if he's gonna like. Addy by R and run one end of the pitch to the other. He's going to do a little <laughs> heart thing be funny. smile for you know? 10 seconds. That had a by your celebration, mate. Like, it's the day I fell in love with the bloke. Like, <laughs> it's the day he became a Tottenham player. It is. It was uh, It was like eight years to the day a couple of days ago, actually. Yeah, I remember. It makes me smile every time it comes around because oh, I've just about brilliant. forgotten about it every time. It's Motsons, isn't it? Comes. What's he doing here? He's running all the way to the other end of the pitch. And you're like, go on, lad, go on. But it's it's the fact that he's busting a gut harder than he's ever busted a gut in his <laughs> life just to go and fucking piss him off. And it's absolutely beautiful. It's the the effort in his run as well is just you know he's Usain Bolt in it down the yeah around. genuinely you could have put Bolt next to him and if you put Arsenal fans at the finish line, I'd be hard winning it. <laughs> Oh, it's fucking amazing. I like the the fact that the, the Arsenal fans, again, it's like one fucking steward, but they're still doing this, I'll be back, I'll be back, like in the in the front row. I'll show it, throw in the cup cups at him and she, <laughs> tissues. Fucking jeb ends. Um, let's have a look. Ursul Osman at Eros70 asks, Aurea or Trips number one right back now? It'll be Surge. You don't spend £24 million on someone and sit him on the bench. It's true. Although I can I can, I can probably still see Poch rotate. I think Trips will probably start against Swansea. Yeah, he will. And that's what he will do now. Aria will play the big games and Trippier will play the games in which sort of his skill set is more suited. We'll have plenty of the ball against Swansea. He'll get plenty of opportunity to get up and down the flank and uh, you know use his crossing. But against teams where we need to be a bit more quick vertically and and sort of um, be at our peak physically and sort of uh, tactically, that's when Serge will play. Poor old Carl Walker Peters. He'll be there in time. Yeah, he's a kid still, isn't he? He'll 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 take Trippier's place. Yeah, Trippier will be sold to sort of West Ham within three years. Well, and... I think maybe even sooner. I think now Trippier's had a kind of taste. A taste for you know being in the first team. You can you can see us having a sort of uh, 
Chadley type thing with him, whereby if he were to say to us, look, lads, I want first team football, we probably would be like, you're not going to get it here in front of Aurea. Let's just, you know, we'll do the decent thing and let you go. Have you tried West Brom? Yeah. You know, but you you can, you, you genuinely can see him being somewhere like that, right? Stoke. Stoke, West Brom. Maybe would you take him at, at the, the others? No, Tommy Swift's better. Is he? No, <laughs> no we've, they've just signed uh, a guy, I can't remember where he's from, but his name's Florent Hedigenai. Um, and if you look for the spelling of Hedigenai and then try and pronounce it, you'll realise just how long I've spent looking at that name and trying to <laughs> learn how to pronounce it correctly. Because the first time I saw it, I went, what the fuck is that? Try and get it into a chant, mate. There's a, well, this, is, this is what I said to someone the other day. He's... And they signed uh, two players on the same day. They signed uh, Florent Hadijanai and they signed Abdel Hamid Sabiri. And I was like, you know, these town fans are used to chanting for players named, you know, Tammy Smith and that. They're not going to be <laughs> working out songs for these, but uh, no, sign of the times. Game's gone. <laughs> um... Game's gone, yeah. Uh, uh, Giacco um, at SR Giacco asks uh, what to do with no Yan. Yeah, because we we didn't even go on to the farcical red card that he received. Um, it was an absolute fucking joke. Uh, it was a fucking joke. That ref was awful as well, wasn't he? Yeah, he wants to drop in for the next game, that ref. Um, but what 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 do you reckon we do? Do you, do you go to two centre-backs or do you just drop mm, Dyer back? It's an apple all the way, isn't it? So we yeah. could probably get away with four at the back. It depends what the manager wants to do. It might be a chance to play uh, Juan Foyth or Dyer back. Do you put Foyth in there? It depends if Dyer's fit or not. Yeah. You can put Ald- uh, Alderweireld in the middle and put Dyer on the other side. You know, we've we've it's what we said before. We've got more options. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's worth noting that Jan Vertonghen for some time now has head and shoulders been Tottenham's best centre back. First season Alderweireld came in, he was you know revelation and fantastic. And I think a large reason as to why Jan Vertonghen's at the level he is now again is you know the the safety and the uh, the competition he feels with his, you know, his mate next to him. There's obviously a bit of friendly sibling sort of rivalry between the two of them. Yeah. And at present, I think Jan is the one who has got the upper hand. He, he's just the more reliable of the two. He looks more comfortable coming forward. He's the one that is making the more uh, telling contributions. Um, and this doesn't mean that Alderweireld's a poor centre-back no. all night. It doesn't even mean that he's regressed. If anything, it just means that Jan Vertonghen has got to a level that is even higher than the one that Toby Alderweireld was at the first season he came in. And, you know, that's to his immense credit. Do you want to, to redress the balance after Baylor Modric gate? Um, I'm, I agree entirely. I, I, people thought I was taking a piss earlier, I, but I tweeted, I think Vertonghen's, at a, you know, I think he's better than Alderweireld at the moment. Um, and I wasn't. I was being deadly serious. I think Vertonghen's fucking sublime at the moment. I really do. I think he's absolutely yeah, he brilliant. Um, I think he's actually really sort of feeling quite comfortable at the club. Yeah, um, he, he seems to love it again now. I, I, I really yeah. get the vibe that he loves the club now. Hmm. I do as well. I think he's quite settled in London and he seems quite happy around in his surroundings. He's got his mates around him and... Uh, he's quite happy with the way the club are playing. I think he's another one, much like Kane, that'll be here for as long as he feels where we're pushing him as a footballer, and he's getting as much out of it as possible. Well, I I, I do wonder, like if you if you look at so 
A player he was often kind of juxtaposed with was uh, Thomas Vermaelen at Arsenal. And mm. you see Vermaelen... dead now. Well, exactly. And he kind of got the move that I think Vertonghen wanted, which was Barcelona. And it just killed his career. It absolutely well, killed it. it, it I, think I know he had injuries and, and that as well. But he just sort of disappeared off into obscurity. And I think... I think I think Jan probably, you know, I've I have criticised him in the past. He has, I think, you know, he has let his form lapse a bit, and whatever, you know, off off pitch concerns he's had and things. I think, you know, maybe whereas we haven't seen, as as my argument was at the time, Larice or a Bale or somebody like that who has used the adversity of being in a poor team to at least push themselves on and be a shining example within that team. I think, you know. Vertonghen maybe didn't show himself in glory in certain parts, but he's he's he seems to have matured as a player and matured as a bloke. Um, as I've said many times in the past, if Tim Sherwood was my manager, I would have fucking down tools and stopped playing. You know, and he, I I I do think uh, you know as much as you can. You know, we talk about being a being a a cog in the you know Barcelona or Real Madrid machine. That doesn't always necessarily mean you're going to be a, a successful cog in that machine, right? There, there are plenty of players whose careers have really gone by the wayside since they've since they've joined those, you know, that big two, as it were. Um, look at someone like, you know, look at a player like off the top of my head, someone like Afalai. You know, he was so lauded and he was so heralded as like, you know, he's going to be this huge talent. He's going to be. Yeah, taking Europe by storm, and probably in a sim, not quite there, but domestically, uh, that kind of Bale-esque type level got the move, and then just his career disappeared. Now he's at Stoke, and you know, rest is history. Bojan, but well, I guess Bojan came through the through the academy, so it's, it's a poor example there. But um, anyway, Jan Vertonghen, he's brilliant. Um, let's do one more question, maybe two more. Um, this is a good one. I like this one. Um, Cy Williams at the actual underscore Simon, and he has an EU flag in his name as well. So we like we like Cy Williams here. Um, every national league has a hipster club: Dortmund, Portland, Napoli, Bilbao. Are Spurs becoming the penny farthing Tash Twiddlers EPL favourite? That's an interesting question. Because I, I and I don't think it's one we can really answer. It's one we can speculate on. But uh, perhaps if we get old Bassam and Kaushik back on again um, ahead of the Real Madrid game, we can probably ask them how Spurs are viewed in Spain or something like that. Because you you would think with a manager like Pochettino, like the, you know, a way a lot of people kind of cast an eye over to Atleti and Simeone, what he's done there. Um, they were, you know, or Klopp with Dortmund, who were those two, sort of two of the sort of archetypal mainstream kind of ipster clubs that get a bit of an ipster following. You can imagine with Pochettino, people seeing what he's done, um, the way he's kind of making do to a degree um, at Spurs, and that kind of devalues the amount of money he probably has spent and such. But you know, we're not talking. It's, it's incomparable with uh, Conte or with uh, Pep Guardiola in terms of what he spent at Spurs. Um, I would like to think we probably would be a bit of a you know a neutral hipsters 
wet dream, wouldn't you? I don't know, and I don't care. <laughs> That's a very good answer. Um, well, fuck you, then. <laughs> no, genuinely, I, I, I don't. I'm, I'm not sure who they'd really go for. I'm not sure who's sort of the the choice. I think Tottenham are a bit mainstream for that now, aren't they? Maybe, maybe. Because the Nike It'd kit probably deal. Be like we need a, we did a Hummel Hummel kit deal. That would that would solidify it. <laughs> Hubble or new, well, not so much New Balance they got in Liverpool. No, yeah, they're fucking ugly. Bit wank. Um, Max T at Max A Mister asks thoughts on Lorente's cameo. I thought his shirt could be tighter fitting. Yeah, I thought he could have come on with no shirt at all. To be honest, no clothes. Yeah, just oiled up. Streaker. It's the only way. <laughs> The only way that game could have been any better. Mate, how good is his bromance with Hugo Lloris? I've told you before, if I could be the meat in that sandwich, I would uh, I'd, I would very much like to. You'd be like a great great slab of ox tongue between <laughs> two nice bits of artisan sourdough bread. Yeah. Yorkshire pudding in between, uh, <laughs> <laughs> in between focaccia and yeah. baguette. Yorkshire pudding sandwich. <laughs> that sounds quite nice to be yeah, honest. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? I was just mm. thinking that. Like beige, but beige, but yeah. delightful. Um, a big know. slab of gravy on it as well. Oh, gravy. Stuff. It's the stuff that, right? Mm. Um, but I do love it. I, lo- I love like how in awe of him Hugo Lloris is. And to be honest, you know, given that uh, we know... Hugo Lloris's approach, like his utmost professionalism at all times and just his drive to win. For, for him to be sounding off as much as he is about a player, um, as he is with Lorente, you know, he's kind of commented on the fact, oh, he's come in and he's instantly given a lift to the place and people are learning off of him and all this type of thing. Um, that's what you want. That's what you want. That's what we sort of said last week. You know, he's this guy's a winner. Um, not only is he class, he's he, he is a winner. He's experienced. He's one of the older heads in the team. Is sort of it's it's buck the trend of Pochettino signings. You know what it is? It's Hugo Reese will have been there for two years, looking at everybody else who's in their early twenties with fucking secret handshakes and it's Snapchat. You know, and that, you know that fucking stupid club of Son Wimmer and Ben Davies in the corner playing fucking Dungeons and Dragons together on away trips, and he'll be sat there on his own. And his only mate, proper mate, will have been like Ian Vertonghen and probably the coach. He'll have been the guy who sat at the front reading a book. Um, and now suddenly he's got someone of a similar age to him who's sort of, they can sit and talk about wine and art together and go out with the wives and stuff. He's The reason he's so happy is he's finally been given a contemporary. It's like I say, it's canal side coffees and red wine dinners, you know? Yeah, no, no they don't have red wine. I bet they're, they're into natural wine. You know, that, <laughs> that, that new... Have you never heard of natural wine? It's like the new big hipster trend. No. Um, it's, oh, like elderflower and all that type of shit. I don't know what's in it, but like, there's been Vice documentaries on it, and I went into a bar in Leeds the other day, and uh, I was getting my a drink, and he's getting a glass of wine for somebody else, and he goes, oh, do you want natural wine? And I went, what the fuck is that? Um, I think it was like no added preservatives or something. He's like, no, they do it in this special way. I genuinely cut, cut him off halfway through, and I just went, mate, 
just get us an armor one, will you please? It's a bit like that, you know, that Batman and Robin meme with Batman slapping Robin around the face. It's kind of only only a shot of me just sat there like across from him with my mouth agasp, just like how do I get out of this conversation? <laughs> it was you know when somebody's like too passionate about something that you don't give a shit about. You know, like when you ask when you ask a question, you regret asking it almost immediately because their eyes light up. And it's like, oh, this is an error. The, if it was going to be a gif, it would have been Homer Simpson going into a hedge. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's sort of like, mate, I, you keep that shit to yourself. Um, I know it's so overused, but I do like that one. I, I like the other one as well. The little, um, I think it's that little blue mouse thing. I think it's from Ren and Stimpy, maybe when he's like coming out of his, you know, his like little hole in the wall. And then somebody posts the tweet or thing that in question that's ridiculous. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And the next one is him just walking back into the hole and slamming the door. I still uh, think the ultimate gif is um, the this is alright. The guy sat in the place with fire all around him. Yeah. Fine. What's that from? Still, what is that I don't from even originally? Know. I, I haven't a clue. But it's uh, it's the ultimate gif. There are some really good ones. They're so like overused to fuck, but some can still just get you, you know. <laughs> when they're used perfectly, when they're like there, the the latest one. Have you seen the the freestyle from One Extra, the Tingles? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't really like that one actually. It's hilarious because he's gone on to take the piss out of the freestyles. It, it is, but do you know what? Do you, I'll tell you why I don't like it. It's because. It's You're a, thirty year old old and white. Well, no, well, no. This is this is exactly why because it's appropriated by people my age and of my demographic. Like to be like, oh, oh, oh you know, and I, I, I don't know. Are people trying to add. It's a bit Ali G. So, <laughs> um, a bit Ali G. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Ali G was funny though. Oh, it's fucking amazing, man. That's that's you know, Sash Brown Cohen in those days was that's when he was at his best. When he's doing that off the cuff stuff, not the scripted his scripted stuff is a war crime, but <laughs> that uh Tell us what you really think. Oh no. Um Tricky let's kill it with fire there. That last film he did, um what was it called? Um Grimsby. That were awful. I thought he liked it. And no, I do you not remember the story I told you that me and the lads booked tickets to go and see it because we wanted to go out for a drink and we ended up getting smashed and then going to see it. And it was hilarious because we were already three sheets to the wind and it was just, you know, the most pure all jokes possible. And then I've since watched it in a sober state and gone, <laughs> why did I ever find this funny? You know, uh, you know, because I've got my little like cinema part. I'm like a member of my local cinema, so I'm always fucking at the cinema basically. Um, Filipino. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> one of the few films that like we've left because I, I generally, even if a film's terrible, I will try and st- stick it out. Just you know, in in my head, there's some weird sort of thing where I'm like, you know, I'm going to respect the person for having got here and gotten their film up on screen and even how ridiculous that sounds because most of these are just produced by studios that are churning them out like a factory nowadays but regardless um there's no method to the fucking shit goes on in my head most of the time but uh his film the dictator is one that 
I've never seen Charlotte it. Charlotte and I, like, we left after, like, 20 minutes. Fucking awful. <laughs> fucking awful. I've never walked out of Pile of shit. It's fucking terrible. Fucking I've been, awful. I've seen some t- awful films as well at the cinema, and I've never walked out. Maybe that's just me being stingy in Northern sort of like no, mate, really know. try and just try and sit for a dictator. Like honestly, it's <laughs> it's as uh, to coin a Raj Bain's uh, original phrase, it is an enemy of comedy. <laughs> we won't go over who you first <laughs> angled that one at, but a bit of genius. Oh, you're gonna do it. Got a career over making gifts and shit. <laughs> I'm sure we've called him out before. Oh, I, I really can't stand. Humor vacuum. <laughs> a serotonin void. I'm 25 years old now, Jack. I'm a grown man. I'm going to call these people out. I've yeah. got no patience. I've got less patience than I did when I was a young man. Um, if that is physically possible. Yeah, I was going to say, I uh, mate, I, I cannot. I, honestly, I can't wait until you're in your 40s. You're going to be such a dar. <laughs> I, I you're already be am. Such a dar. <laughs> it's gonna be brilliant. What was it the other day that I complained about to you? That you, the the you third did? kit. Oh yeah, the oh man, that that probably I was triggered. I even tweeted about it. That's how bad I got. If you were fucking purple at home, I do not wear all white. No, but it's fucking I'm, true though. It is true. It would have been a. It would have been. But they a didn't even disgrace. wear it. That's the worst thing. I feel slightly embarrassed by it because it's like they've not even like all they've done is worn the training kit and immediately like my back was up and I was like. They're gonna do. So, they're gonna try and sell this fucking purple kit at home. Why are they doing this to me? And I was like, "You wear all white at home." And I was like, "All these buzzwords like tradition and proper." And I was like, "No, why are you doing this to me?" It, it genuinely, it really got under my skin. It is rank, though, isn't it? I genuinely thought they were gonna do it. I, 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 I think there will have been a conversation at some point where they went, "Oh, we're launching this kit. Do you reckon you could wear it at home?" Because there's clubs that have done it in the past, like Dortmund have got two different home kits for the Champions League. Um, and I'm half surprised they haven't done that, like a weird second white kit or something. Um, but, you know, it's it's one of those things that I genuinely thought... Because they were wearing the purple training kit to get into the ground as well. And it was like, why are they wearing that if they're not going to play in it? Why have they been launching it if they're not going to play in it? And I was like... You know that gif, if we're going to talk about gifts, that one of uh, um, Alan from The Hangover with all the numbers around his head. Yeah. That was, <laughs> that, that was me with all these things. And I was like, does jet fuel melt steel beams? And I was like, I was properly, yeah. I, I could have written 10,000 words for Breitbart on uh, that purple kit. Because I went to Nike Town the other day and saw it in person as well, and it's absolutely fucking rank. I hate the uh, I hate the spurs on the arse as well. Yeah, that's weird. Everyone's got that. I mean, I've seen about twelve different articles as well from people um, putting all the pictures of all the Nike third kits that have been released and going, "Why have they just all released the same kit for everyone?" It's like this is all they fucking do. So yeah, I, uh, do you know, I've got to give a, an honourable shout out to as well. One of my favourite meme gif things is a uh, confused Nick Young. <laughs> do you even know who Nick Young is? I know he's, I know he's a basketball player. Swaggy P? That's it. I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know much past that. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it's, the other one is there's a new one of somebody who shouted at him as he was doing shoot around with confused Nick Young on his phone. And then because he didn't see what was on the phone, he pulled the same face looking at it. So it's, 
<laughs> confused Nick Young Inception. He's a genius. Uh, oh, no, but uh, I'm going to look that up. He's the guy who um, he was engaged to Iggy years earlier, and his teammate um, was taking secret Snapchats of him in their hotel room as he was thinking he was just having a lad's bro-down sort of dapper last type conversation with his teammate. And he was on about how many times he's cheated on Iggy Azalea. And uh, oh. his, his teammates Snapchat it all for the entire world to see. So obviously she left him after that. Oh. So there's a massive contra- This is why I'm telling you, the NBA is the greatest league in the world. Oh, man, that's... Oh, uh, God. That's yeah, so he was awful. a rookie at the time. Dion, um, what's his name? Uh, D'Angelo Russell. And there's been a Foot Locker advert since where the rookies from two seasons ago are sort of talking to the rookies from last season and they're giving them advice of what to do when they come into the league and D'Angelo Russell walks in and goes to the rookies introducing, oh, are you using that? Talking about his phone, grabs it out of his hand and throws it into the sea and then goes, trust me. (laughs) (laughs) He's genuinely. It's the best league in the world. You could not watch a second of them playing sport and just follow what the NBA players do off the court, and you would still have more fun than you do watching anything else. I'll tell you word for it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like how I said, how I WhatsApped you before this, being like, mate, I'm, I'm busy. I've still got some work to do. I've got to be up first thing in the morning. Can we just do like half hour, 45 minutes? You're like, yep, yeah. <laughs> hour and a half in. <laughs> Uh, so if you do want to listen to any of the previous episodes of the Rouge podcast, and you, you didn't vote for breakfast, breakfast, for breakfast, <laughs> you've done it. You've done the breakfast, Brexit. We really are old man. Yeah, uh, like John McDonnell. Yeah, mate, I'm dignitas for you, mate. Dignitas. If I'm John McDonnell, that means you're Corbin. <sighs> Can I be Prescott? No, if you're Corbin, that makes me Diane Abbott. <laughs> um. I will happily be Diane Abbott. Hmm. The Diane Abbott's my Corbyn now. You realise what you're setting yourself in for there? Well, we've already made one sex joke. Okay. Yeah, listen to it on Acast or iTunes. Go to rtrpod.com. Follow us on Twitter at rtr underscore pod. Come on, you Spurs. Oh, yeah, we're playing Swansea this week as well. (laughs) (laughs) We'll probably beat them. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.